been looking at a series on prayer titled, Lord, teach us to pray. And the disciples came to Jesus asking this question, Jesus, teach us to pray. We see you praying, maybe we struggle with prayer, and so we we want you, our, our, our teacher, to teach us in this way. We've been going through this prayer a week by week and we're coming to the, the very end. This is the very last message in regards to the Lord's Prayer. And um, it finishes with this idea of spiritual warfare, of deliverance from evil uh, that is in the world around us and from the evil one. Now, we all know this classic depiction of our conscience. Often it's depicted with a little angel and a little devil on on each shoulder, attempting, pulling us in one way or the other, to say yes to something, to say no to that thing. And although it's often depicted in very comical ways, this is a real and authentic internal battle that we all know so well. Be it to do with simple temptations like a donut, let's say, something we may not, that we should not eat, or, or to the extreme of, of sexual temptation, pornography, let's say, thoughts uh, that, that, that rage in our minds in regards to our identity of, of who we are. There's this the internal battle that, that rages within all of us and, and we know this well. In Romans 7.21 I believe it's depicted, the reality of this experience is depicted well. So I find this law at work in me, says Paul, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So as followers of Jesus Christ who dedicate our lives to living for him, we know this reality that as we seek to do good, there's still this inclination to do evil, to do what's wrong. This temptation is still there that that pulls and that draws us away. The good thing is that this experience is quite common. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, Remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And that's encouraging because we often can feel like we're alone. We often feel like, well, I can't share this with anyone else because only I am going through this. No one else will understand. But we can be encouraged to know that we all understand this reality and we we all struggle with this. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer and more recently focusing on our needs. We looked at our need for for daily bread, our our daily needs. We also looked at our need for forgiveness and our need to forgive those around us. And in a sense today is another need. We cry out and we call out to God for deliverance from the evil in this world and the temptations that we face. We find the words in the Lord's Prayer and I'd like to read it all. I think it's beautiful to read it in its fullness. Jesus said, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And this is where we'll focus today. And don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. Now these are famous words and often this very part of this verse, for instance in the NIV reads, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. I I believe the NLT depicts this a bit clearer because there's this sense of don't let us yield to temptation. For we know that God does not 
lead us into temptation. James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. So I believe the rendering we see here, don't let us yield to temptation, is far more true of what is being said here. Jesus is encouraging his disciples, he encourages us as his followers to seek the Father's strength to be delivered from the seductions of both evil and or the evil one, which is a nuance of both with all evil being inspired by the evil one, inspired by the evil one, from the one leading us into temptation and from the power of the evil one. So we're crying out to God. As we do this, we're admitting that this is real for us. This is a struggle and so, Father, we come to you. We call out for deliverance. Don't let us yield, don't let us fall, don't let us succumb to temptation, but rescue us from the evil in this world and the evil one. We come to Jesus knowing that he understands this dilemma. Jesus in his very own life here, once he was baptised, once he had this amazing spiritual experience, is led out into the wilderness where he is tempted by Satan for 40 days and for 40 nights. He comes, he goes out to the desert and he experiences this temptation. And yet Jesus did not succumb to the temptations put before him. So we can come to Jesus knowing that he understands this dilemma, but that he's overcome it. So I want to unpack this idea a little bit more this morning. Firstly, there's this idea of the reality of the evil one. And it needs to be said because in our day and age, society portrays the devil in an almost comical fashion. He's often portrayed as a cute little character with pointy little horns in a, in a, in a fantasy, as a, as a fantasy in many ways, or a fairy tale akin to Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And by doing so, he's completely stripped of his reality. He's portrayed as a complete fantasy. It has been said that the devil's greatest victory especially in the West, is making people believe that he does not exist. Some um, stats from the Barna Research Group found that 60% of Americans do not believe Satan is a living being. He's simply a fantasy. And I love this quote from Walter Wink. It says, If you want to bring all talk to a halt in shock embarrassment, every eye riveted on you, try mentioning angels or demons or the devil. You will be quickly appraised for signs of pathological pathological violence and then quietly shunned. You'll be quietly shunned. The truth is that the evil one is real. The ancient serpent is no (laughs) fluffy toy. The ancient serpent, first depicted in Genesis, came to harm and to destroy. And so the reality is there is a very real and unseen spiritual battle that's very real indeed. C.S. Lewis said these words, Enemy-occupied territory, that is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed 
You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. I like that phrase. A great campaign of sabotage. A spiritual battle. As we read in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sorry, Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so evil and the evil one is very definitely real. And when we focus on his aim, what's the aim? What's the purpose of the evil one? I'd like to show and, and unpack this idea a little by looking at some of the titles or the names of the evil one that we find in Scripture. Firstly, he's called the accuser in Revelations 12.10. It says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And in Revelation it's painting a picture of the evil one who stands before God and accuses the brothers and sisters, those in the faith, before God. He's called the accuser. He's also called a thief. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This passage alluding to the evil one and his work. So the aim of the evil one is to accuse or to speak badly or evil against those who would believe in God. His aim is also to steal, to kill and to destroy, especially in in, in long term, in a spiritual sense, to render us spiritually dead. He's also called the masquerader, if I can say that properly. For in 2 Corinthians 11.14 we read, For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. As an angel of light. The definition of to masquerade is to pretend to be someone one is not. To pretend. And there's the, the famous social event, the masquerade ball, the whole idea. Come along and then you come as a, you dress up of course with a with a mask. And this whole, this whole idea was made more famous in, in Romeo and Juliet. And all, every person comes at attending wear, wears a mask in which the true identity of the individual is, is hidden. It's masked from view. So the evil one comes as one who pretends to be someone he is not. He masquerades himself as an angel of light whose true reality is to steal, to kill, to destroy, to accuse. He's also called the father of lies. John 8.43 says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Even one the father of life, he, he speaks his native language, his native language in this place. And the very first recorded temptation is in Genesis 3 is where the serpent, the evil one, comes to Adam and Eve and he tempts them with a half-truth. He deceives them with a lie that they could be like God. <laughs> and his purpose was to simply deceive them, to draw them away from the life-giving relationship that they could have with their father 
And so he does with us. This is and has been the evil one's game ever since the beginning to draw people away from God. Eternal separation and spiritual separation from him. His aim is to destroy. We can know this, that we have victory over the evil one. And in this prayer, we come praying, Lord, deliver us. Deliver us. And this isn't just a hope. No, this is a confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ. This isn't something that we wish that might happen. No, this is something we know can happen because of Jesus Christ and his victory over him. I'd like to share a couple verses from Romans because the victory can be shared in this way. Firstly, our victory is that we have been forgiven. Our victory is because we are filled and our victory means that we are free. Let's ununpack this. Firstly, in Romans. Our victory is that we are forgiven. In Romans 7, probably one of the most famous passages in relation to this this struggle that we have. I, I, I mentioned that at the beginning in Romans 21 where we find this law at work, where we want to do good, evil is right there. And and Paul unpacks this idea that as we seek to to do good, we are drawn away and we're tempted to do that which is evil. And right at the end of this, this passage in Romans 7, 24, he asks this question, who will rescue me from this body of death? Who will rescue me from this place? Thanks be to God is the reply to this rhetorical question. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Yet what's interesting in this, in this, the context of this passage is chapter 8 verse 1 continues and it breaks up the passage a little. If you, if you read it, if you open your Bibles, you will see it. It even puts a break in there. But the, the idea follows for in Romans 8 1, we read, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation. We can have victory because of what Jesus has done and because of what Jesus has done, we have no condemnation for the sin in our lives. We have no condemnation for the fact that we are human and that we still struggle. Even though we still struggle, we can know this, that we are forgiven, that all sin... All our brokenness was dealt with on the cross through Jesus Christ so that although we struggle, we don't answer for that anymore because Jesus Christ has dealt with it. We are completely forgiven. Sin is dealt with. This is where the evil one often comes. When we struggle, the evil one loves to come and accuse us. Oh, look what you've done again, he says. Look how weak you are. Look how sinful you are points out the brokenness in our lives. And yet when we look at Romans, we can be reminded of this, that Jesus loves us anyway. Jesus died for us because we are broken and he has forgiven us and we are free. I don't have to walk in guilt. I can have victory over the evil one in this place. What else do we find this? We find this, we are filled, we are forgiven and we are filled in Romans 8.11. You go just a few verses later. Paul continues on saying, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but are in the Spirit. 
In verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, he continues, if you continue to read on, it says, so you will be free, so you will have life. But look here, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us as followers of Jesus Christ. So we are not only forgiven, but we are filled by his Holy Spirit. We're filled so that we can live lives for him. And so that we can have power in our lives. The same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, this is the most powerful spirit that exists. The Holy Spirit that lives in us. And so we are forgiven. And we are filled by the Holy Spirit. And we continue also with this idea. We are also free. Romans 8.12 Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You love that idea. You have no obligation. It means this, you're not bound by the fact that your sinful nature urges you to do these things. No, not bound by that anymore. You're free from those things. With the Holy Spirit in you and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can turn from those things. You can turn from evil deeds. and You can live in freedom. We are free by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So although we know the reality of this, although it doesn't go away, although temptation comes, although the evil one comes to draw us away, we can have victory over him because we are forgiven. Because we are filled by the Holy Spirit and because we are free by the power of that Holy Spirit. We're also free. I love in James 4, 7 and 1 Corinthians and you can look these ones up. Because we are free, we are also free to fight. In James 4, 7, we're encouraged, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us and we walk our lives with and for Jesus Christ, we have the power that comes with it and we're able to resist the evil one in our lives. Now, of course, this isn't always easy. But in those moments where we just feel like we're going to succumb to whatever is coming around us, we can cry out, Father, deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one in my life. We can, we can call out against the evil one. We can resist him. And the promise is there that he will flee from us. This is the victory we can have as followers of Jesus Christ. Then there are those times in our lives also where temptation is so strong. And temptation often comes sometimes at our own Hands at our own doing, we find ourselves in places we shouldn't be or looking at things we shouldn't be. There's often times though when it tracks us down, we find ourselves in situations where it, it, it overcomes us. So 1 Corinthians 10.13 is always a real encouragement for me in my walk. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. Sorry, he will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out 
so that you will not give in to it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out. And so we're free, we're free to fight, but we're also free to flee. <laughs> there are times when we, we can't resist it, it might, be, it might be too great. But there are times we can call out and God promises us that he will show us, he will provide an escape route. He will provide a way for us to get away from the temptation that is there so that we won't fall, so that we won't give in to it. We find, if you look closely, that he will show you a way out. It comes from him, comes from his strength, not ours. It's one of the privileges of, of walking as, as followers with Jesus. We're given the power to fight and we're given the power to flee. So although the world is quite dark at times, although we find ourselves being tempted and and torn and pulled and attracted to things that, that we wish we were not. We know that as followers of Jesus, if we place our faith in him, that we can have victory. We can have victory over the evil one in our lives because we are forgiven. Because we are filled by the Holy Spirit. And because we are free by the power of that Holy Spirit at times to fight, at times to flee. (laughs) So we don't have to be controlled by our evil desires. We don't have to be controlled by the evil one. We allow the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So this morning as you you go out, as you go out into this world realising that the evil one and the reality of the evil one is, is very real. We can't dismiss it. It's there and as much as people around us may or might like to dismiss it, as believers in Christ, we know this to be true. We also know that the evil one's aim is to destroy. He's a thief, a masquerade, he's a father of lies. But we have victory in Jesus Christ. Oh, the struggle is very real doesn't diminish the struggle. In Jesus, we are forgiven. In Jesus Christ, if we do stumble, if we do fall, the price has been paid. We don't have to carry the guilt of that. We can know forgiveness. We know the privilege of being filled by the Holy Spirit and being free because of it. So as you go this week, I'm not sure what this week looks like for you. I know as you go into this week you will be faced with temptation of various sorts. Some big, some small. And I know that the evil one will continue to do his best to trip you up and to draw you away from Jesus Christ. I know that he will do his best to harm and to destroy. But I want you to know this. You don't have to live a life falling victim to temptation time and time again. You don't need to carry the guilt for you can know victory in Jesus Christ as you place your trust in him. So I invite you this week, find strength in him. As the prayer invites us to call out, Father, 
Don't let us yield to temptation. Father, deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one. The promise is there that God is with us. and He will provide a way of escape or the strength to see it through. This has been a, a wonderful series. Just a few lines of a prayer that have so much depth, so much to help us in our lives. I pray that as a follower of Jesus Christ that you've been encouraged by these, these weeks. And I pray that this prayer will take on new meaning for you. I pray that in this time with COVID and with with so much unknown going around us at this time, I pray that this prayer can be something you can come back to. As you come before God, you can pray with confidence, knowing that our God will provide all of our needs. We can come and we can worship him. We can come and we can find forgiveness in him. We can offer forgiveness. We can come and know victory over temptation and over the evil that is in this world Pray that you may take this, this simple prayer that Jesus taught and it may radically change your own prayer life. I pray that a hunger has grown in you to pray and to come to God more. And as you continue on in the midst of this difficult season, I pray, I pray that this tool, this, this teaching will, will, will give you the ability to find strength in Jesus Christ, to come to him in confidence. We're going to finish, this is our our last of this series, except into the holidays we're going to include a couple of extras, a couple of additions. Uh, Next week we have a a guest speaker coming uh, via live stream, via media. And I'm going to do a couple more messages beyond this, prayer and, just two more messages. Themes of prayer that are not necessarily included in the Lord's Prayer. Some extras, as you might say. One will be how do we listen to God? How do we hear his voice in our lives? How can we be sensitive to to, to hear his leading? I've done a message before on prayer and fasting, so I'm going to push that aside. And a question that has come up a number of times in this series for me is the idea of speaking in tongues, which is a, a prayer language. And so one week we're going to focus on prayer and speaking in tongues. And quite brave, you might say, in a Baptist church, but I'd like to unpack that idea and what that can mean for us in our, in our walk with Jesus also. So look for those in, in the coming weeks. But otherwise, we're finishing and concluding this, this series, Lord, teach us to pray. And I'd like to just spend some time now praying as we do that. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this prayer. This prayer that you gave us to teach us and equip us, Lord, so that we could come to you with confidence. So, Lord, we we thank you again for these words. We thank you that they have inspired us. That they give us a model and, Lord, a place to start. And, Lord, we thank you for the depth also of each one of the ideas and the thoughts in this prayer. But above all, as as we come And as we live as followers of Jesus, we pray that you give us a desire and a hunger to live for you and a hunger to come before you, Lord, to sit at your feet, to worship you, Father. 
Thank you also for the invitation, Lord, to come and to bring our, our everyday needs, our spiritual needs, Lord, and our struggles to you. We thank you that we can come to you knowing that you hear us, that you listen, that you care. We thank you that you, the strength that you give to us as we come to you by the power of your Holy Spirit. And this week especially, Lord, I just pray that as people go, that they will know victory in you. Lord, I pray that you may protect and guard each person from the evil one. I pray that you might protect them by your precious blood. I pray that they may know forgiveness in you. Lord, if anyone today is carrying the burden of guilt that is not theirs to carry, that has been dealt with on the cross, I pray against that now, right now, in Jesus' mighty name. And I ask that they would know forgiveness and freedom in you. I pray that you will guard their hearts and their minds from the lies of the evil one. That would say they are not worthy. That would say they are nothing. Lord, I pray that they may look to you and know that they are loved and that they are free. I pray also, Lord, that you enable us to live by the power of your Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. Lord, that we may come to you, that we may find and seek all that we need in you. Lord, give us the boldness to fight. (laughs) Remind us, Lord, that we have what we need to resist the evil one in our lives. Lord, we thank you also that you you provide opportunities out. So, Lord, give us wisdom to see those opportunities in our lives, Father, to not close our eyes to them, but to look for them, Lord, as open doors. We thank you, Father, that we don't have to be controlled by our own evil desires or the temptations of the evil one. Help us to live by the power of your Holy Spirit. So deliver us, Father, this week, whatever comes our way, Deliver us, we pray, from the evil one. Guard us and protect us, we pray. We thank you that we can pray these things in confidence. We can declare these as a promise that's come from you. So we thank you and pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen.